I'm excited today to uh, have Matt Bateman preach the word. Matt is our, yes, Matt's our fourth and fifth grade pastor. Week in and week out, he's working with hundreds of fourth and fifth grade kids, and I think you should appreciate him for that. So let's give him a big round of applause as he comes. And then I want to go back to this whole Christmas food drive thing. Because if Kurt's Kids wins, that means the Kids Place doesn't win, which Children's Ministries includes Edge as well. That means that I have to kiss something. So I want to know, do you really love your children? Yeah. Are are you really going to tell them that you value yourself more over them? No, no. Okay, are you really going to tell them you value your pastor more than theirs? (laughs) Anyway, no, we all love each other. So we're just competitive. And want to see each other kiss something. Um, Let's go ahead. We're going to pray and get started this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that we can have fun uh, for you, Lord. That uh, you love us. You want to have a relationship with us. You want us to be here with you. And you want us to get to know you. So God, I just pray that this morning, as we dive into your word, as we get to know you better, Lord. Holy Spirit, just work uh, in in this room Just do work in this room this morning as we know that there are hearts that need to hear your message, Lord. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are in week three of our series, It Is Well With, or Is It Well With My Soul? And I have to give a hand to our design team because I love the graphics with the the man mixed with the branches and the roots and stuff. And it really gets to the heart of the subject, our soul and its health. Like Pastor Kurt talked about previously, we, were, we are all made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Part of that creation was our soul. Often neglected or ignored, our soul is our, own, our, our innermost being. That part of us that has emotion and longing and empathy and joy. It's the intangible part that God has put inside of us, inside of this shell of flesh and bones. From the moment that you are created, you are given a soul. You know, we just finished up a series in Edge talking about inner healing of the soul. Your kids have a soul. Even your three-year-old that threw the fit this morning has a soul. I promise you, your kids have a soul. So given the fact that we are made in God's image, and we have been given this soul, it makes sense that knowing God would help us to know our souls a little bit better. Knowing who He is can affect our everyday life, our actions, in the way we approach situations, and even how we feel. Knowing who God is helps us see our own selves in a different light. We sang songs this morning declaring God's goodness, declaring that we will sing and dance and shout because he's good, that we sang about how all we need is in him and that we'll praise him whether it's in the rain or in the sun, that he makes us whole. But do we really believe this? Do we really believe that God is good? Deep down, 
Does your soul really believe it? Tell me if this sounds familiar. You're with a group of people and somebody shares a story about about a friend who was healed from a disease. And somebody in the group shouts out, God is so good. I think we've all been there, right? We've probably all been in that kind of a situation. Well, I don't remember the last time that I heard God is so good when they're diagnosed with the disease. Or when a loved one dies. Or, or when another relationship fails. You know, it, it's, it's like we, re, we remember that God is good when circumstances are. But yet we question God's goodness when things go bad. The other night, I was sitting around the table with a group of friends and we were playing some games. And, and like they often do, our conversation turned to our kids. And we started laughing at our kids. Not laughing about our kids, laughing at our kids. And one of the couples shared that they weren't able to have children. And it came to light that the man, since learning of his inability to have children... He'd been struggling with the fact that he thought that he was being punished by God for years earlier having premarital sex and praying that his girlfriend wasn't pregnant. And then I talked to another woman who's in the throes of addiction. And, and she was desperate for healing. She, she, she was broken. Her soul was broken. And she didn't like who she was or who, what she did. And she knew that she needed Jesus. And so I prayed with her. I sat and I prayed with her. And then I asked her to come to church. And she told me that she, was a, she wouldn't go. Because she was afraid. Because she said, because of the things that I've done in my life, God's definitely going to strike me dead if I step foot in there. These two people aren't alone. I googled, God is not good. And I got 1,450,000,000 results. Take that in for a moment. 1,450,000,000 results for God is not good. The country with the largest population in the world is China. And its population is 1,420,000,000. So there's more than one result for every person in China. This angry judge is, is who so much of this world sees God as. And why wouldn't they? Most major religions are based on this premise that the good, or good happens to those who do good and bad happens to those who do bad. Buddhism, Hinduism, they're both founded on this subject. And, and it's called karma. And it's become such a prevalent term, karma, that I even hear Christians use that term in relationship to God. A popular song says, When the praises go up, the blessings come down. Like we're credited for the blessings. And ultimately, we are punished for our faults. We want to believe that our actions are the cause for difficulties or blessings in our lives. Because that means that we have control. We know what the outcome will be. 
and there's no mystery. Media, politicians, prominent religious leaders all perpetuate the story of the angry judge. Natural disasters like Hurricane Katrina are called God's punishment. All over the news, pastors and people of influence saying that Katrina was punishment for for New Orleans' rampant sex and homosexuality. After 9-11, we heard politicians on both sides saying that God used non-Christian terrorists in planes to hit buildings and kill random people as punishment for abortion or homosexuality or racial injustice or social injustice. Loud voices have been heard saying that the fires and the droughts in California are punishment for, for Hollywood's sinful lifestyle. And the list goes on and on. Mass shootings, war, genocide. Our sin and God's judgment seems to have been the reason for it all. And this isn't a new story either. Even Jesus faced this same question. In Luke 13, Jesus hears of a group of Galileans who had gone to worship and they were giving sacrifices and Pilate killed them while they were giving their sacrifices. And then he hears another, of another group that a tower had fallen and killed 18 people. And he addresses this exact issue. Was this punishment for sin? It says in Luke 13, 2. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee, Jesus asked? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the tower at Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. I tell you again that unless... You repent, you will perish too. I can imagine the same comments being thrown out there. They're being punished by God, by God for their sin. Sin is to blame. Jesus could have confirmed God's anger. They were, they were adulterers who went to worship and they weren't pure, so God killed them. Or, or they stole money from people to make this tower and so God made it fall over on them. He could have confirmed, but he didn't. Instead, the Son of God did not confirm that God is an angry judge. He points to all of us. All of us that need his grace. All of us that are on a true path to death and need Jesus. But Jesus didn't only address the large-scale issues. One day he was walking with his disciples and they saw a blind man sitting. And the disciples asked Jesus a question. They said, who sinned to cause this man's blindness? Is it his sin or his parents? Even Jesus' own disciples have fallen to the story of the angry judge. But Once again, Jesus changes that story. John 9, 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So the power of God could be seen in him. Not, yep, that's karma. Sucks for him. God must have been really mad about that one. 
Instead, he would be the catalyst for God's glory to be seen. He would bring glory to God through his blindness. Story continues in John 9, 6 through 7. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Jesus told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Can you imagine the freedom that this man felt? His entire life being looked down on because of something he couldn't control. And being told that it was his fault. Being told that he was nothing because God was punishing him. Feeling unloved by his creator. His soul broken because the story of the angry God. Have you ever felt that way? Have you, have, have you felt that you were less than? And that God didn't love you? And you just wanted somebody to show you love? Jesus not only freed him from his blindness. He freed the man from his guilt and shame. Jesus gave him a new life. Point number one. Our soul needs to know God is good to have freedom. Probably the most well-known verse in the Bible is John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But I like to call John 3.17 the little brother verse. Because it's like, it's the one that's just as important, but it often gets left behind. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. We get fixated on the fact that if we believe, we have eternal life. But we forget that it also means that we are free from judgment. That Jesus came so that each one of us could have complete and total freedom in him. To be free from our sins. To be free from the guilt and the shame of our past. To be made into a new creation. Jesus said we are to be born again. That means a fresh start. The slate is wiped clean through Jesus' blood and we don't have to look back at our sin. Psalm 103.12 says, says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Don't get me wrong, though. There are still consequences for our sin. Sin hurts not only us, but others as well. And there's often a ripple effect from our sin. But that's the consequences of the hurt that sin causes. Not a punishment from God, not judgment or anger. Probably my favorite night in all of Edge was back in 2014. We had the kids write down sins that they felt guilt or shame for. And then put them on a piece of paper and nail them to a cross. And it was a really emotional night. It was really cool. But the next week was even better 
Because if those kids had come in and seen that cross with all their sins on it, they were still there. And, and it would be staring them in the face saying, hey, look at what you did. Instead, took all those papers down. And we shredded them into tiny little pieces. And the kids took turns picking those up, throwing them into a fire to be burned and gone forever. So they never had to feel that shame or guilt again. God, in his goodness, has given us a perfect gift. His life for ours to make us free. Jesus says in Luke 18, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. We have a good, good God. One that is perfect in his goodness. Even Merriam-Webster Dictionary gets it right. It says, God, the being perfect in power, wisdom, and goodness, who is worshipped as creator and ruler of the universe. Perfect in his goodness. Not when he feels like it, and then vengeful when he doesn't. Perfect in his goodness. Not the loving father sometimes, and the angry dad with mood swings others. Perfect goodness. His goodness isn't his emotion. It is who he is. First John 4, 8 through, through 10. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Not that we loved him, but he loves us. Even if we run away and hide like Adam and Eve did, God still loves us. This is real love, perfect love, good love. I got to get ready for this next one. On February 22nd, 2018, our church first inflated the new bouncy house obstacle course for the kids. This is a 30 foot long obstacle course. And while it is for children, it is perfectly suitable for adults. (laughs) So what did we do? We tested it out. And we each took turns challenging each other to a race through it. And who did I get challenged by? None other than Pastor Kurt himself. And I got to give it to him. The moment we took off, he got ahead right away. He was fast out of the gate. I was too slow. We got in there. And as we're going, he decides it's a good idea to go ahead and dive into my lane in front of me. Now, I called it cheating. He said, there's no lanes marked, so it's just good strategy. (laughs) But I wasn't going to let that stop me, so I climbed right over him. I started crawling over him, and as I was in the middle of conquering his deceptive ways, he starts to get up and brings his elbow back, and all you hear is a giant crack as it makes contact with my nose. Now, I've got to give him a hand. 
He did stop and turn and say, are you okay? To which I said, I'm fine. And then I finished the race and won with my hand under my nose catching the blood. Now, as funny as that story is, here's the funny part. That morning, I had been praying. And I I was surrendering myself to God. And I said, God, I surrender my feet to you. Take me where you want me to go. I surrender my hands to you. Use my hands how you want to use them. My eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my mind. And then I got to my nose. I was like, how's God going to use my nose? And so I was like, you can have my nose too, God. I don't know how you're going to use it. So he broke it. (laughs) The cool thing is, years earlier, I had broken my nose and I couldn't breathe very well. Now, I can breathe better than ever. (laughs) So, if you would like a healing ministry, come to Pastor Kurt and he'll give you plastic surgery. Here's the cool... (laughs) I love that story so much. I've been waiting to use that for a long time. Okay. But here's the thing. I've gotten to use that with the kids and different people over and over and over and share that story. And and what's cool is that even though it was painful and it's a funny story, God brought me out better on the other side because he had a plan through it all. See, our soul needs to know that God is good to trust him. Isn't it interesting that we can trust our eternal lives to Jesus, but we have trouble trusting him in our day to day? Like we realize that Jesus died for us. We trust that if we choose to repent and follow him, He will give us eternal life. We believe that he is a good God and he will keep his promise of salvation to us. But when illness hits or a loved one dies or our day to day seems to bring us nowhere, we start questioning the plan. We start questioning his goodness and his love for us. A few weeks ago, A friend of mine came to me and said, I was sitting in church and God told me that I need to share my story. Now, he didn't know that I would be preaching this message. He didn't know I'd be preaching at all. He just knew that God wanted something from him and he was going to give it. So let's take a look at Brent's story. My name is Brent Brown. And I uh, have an amazing wife, Amanda, and I have four amazing kids, um, which leads me into a story I'm about to tell you about Chloe. Uh, Chloe was born in December of 2014, um, and she was born with what's called tracheal esophageal fistula with esophageal atresia. Uh, What that means in simple terms is she was born without the ability to swallow or breathe very well. Shortly after Chloe was born, she was sent down to the hospital where she had a very large reconstructive surgery, and um, we spent the next uh, almost month in Seattle Children's Hospital. 
Uh, at that time, we went home right before Christmas. That was kind of our goal, was to make sure that we were home for Christmas as a family. And shortly after we got home, Chloe started having what we call blue spells, where she would stop breathing and needed um, our resuscitation to bring her back. That happened several times over a couple of days. And at that point, we went back to Seattle Children's and we had another surgery, and that helped Chloe with her breathing so that uh, we didn't have to give her CPR anymore to keep her alive. Going through that process with Chloe and our family uh, was very difficult when it came to how we felt about why and why is this happening. We're a good family. We're good people. We do good things for our community. And this really bad thing happened. I remember thinking, you know, what is God punishing me for? Why am I deserving of this? Back before Chloe was born, we knew um, that there was something going on because Amanda was carrying about seven extra liters of amniotic fluid inside of her. And so she was carrying like she had triplets. And at that time, um, a group of women that uh, went to a church that I didn't know, um, one of them I did, her name was Tammy Cucci, uh, came and prayed over Amanda and Chloe. We were in a dark place. We really didn't know what was happening, what was going on. Through the next few weeks, um, after Chloe um, came home from the hospital, we had a lot of blessings. We saw people that we hadn't seen in a long time. We saw um, family come, and the clothes were always done. The fridge was always full. The freezer was full. People were bringing money and gift cards, um, and uh, all of that uh, stuff was very helpful, and it allowed us to see that there's good in a situation that is actually really bad, and it helped us see light in the fact that even though we were going through something that was very hard, there was good happening. Looking back now through that time, I, I had this calling. Something kept telling me that it was really important to bring my family and kind of take charge of um, my household when it came to uh, God and knowing Jesus. You know, God led me in a different direction. I ended up meeting some new people and building new relationships and uh, getting involved in different areas. That led me uh, to Axiom, where I'm currently employed now, and um, led me to Tim Cucci, who is Tammy Cucci's son. Um, and that connection has uh, it's given me an opportunity to be close to home um, again and uh, fulfilled in my career and my life. And it's led me in a direction uh, more towards the church, which is something that we hadn't done in the past. Through all the hard times that we've had and through everything that we've gone through, we are able to connect those dots and look at um, all the things that happened uh, that God has done that is good through a really, really difficult uh, situation. Knowing that God is so good, it has taken away all of the fear and it has given me hope that um, no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what we go through, that he has a plan and he is good. So pain, frustration, anger, Brent had them all. And that false story crept in, right? Why, what is God punishing me for? So blinded that he couldn't see the blessings that were pouring out at the time. Do you notice that the blessings he talks about are not related to his daughter? 
They aren't about her health or her happiness. Even if things had gone bad for Chloe, God was still good and he was still working his plans. Instead, it was the community that was formed around them, the bonds that were created, the future that was building, bringing him home to focus on his family and ultimately bringing him to Jesus and bringing his family to Jesus to become a life and soul changing experience. I was talking with Joel Van Mersbergen about this punishing God narrative and, and he, re, he repeated a quote that he had heard. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward. Isn't that true though? You know, I've spent hours connecting the dots of my life. And do you know what I found? A good, good God whose hands are obvious in my life. One who even in the hardest times has been with me and used those moments for good. I like to say that we need to look in three different directions in life. First, we need to look back. Connect those dots. Look at God's handiwork. It's easy to see the hard stuff, but look For the blessings, map out where the blessings came from. Because typically, they don't happen if the bad stuff didn't happen too. Then look up. Thank God. Thank Him for His plans and His love. Praise Him for His goodness through it all. And then, look forward. Know that when you're going Through that dark time, just like the Browns did, your soul can trust in the goodness of God. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Brent and his wife have gone from fearing God's plans to trusting in his goodness, knowing that through it all, he truly wants his best for us. He wants us to know his goodness. Now, Brent and his wife, Amanda, attend church here regularly, and they both volunteer in Kids Place and Edge, sharing that goodness with your kids. Lastly, Our soul needs to know God is good to have hope. Do you know that multiple studies have been done on the topic of hope and its effectiveness? They've tracked that hope is more an effective indicator of success than IQ or strength or genetics. People who have a higher level of hope are more likely to get good grades in school, win at athletics, and, and climb to higher levels in the workplace. Hope is that intangible element in a game where momentum shifts and the unexpected underdog makes a comeback. Hope is what drives people to keep going even when everybody says to quit. A few weeks ago, I had a scary situation. I found a lump under my skin that Dr. Google said was cancer. (laughs) 
Now, I usually take what Google says with a grain of salt, but everything that I read was pointing to the same thing. So I went to my wife and showed her and told her what I was afraid of. I could see nervousness in her, and we just discussed that I needed to go see the doctor. But it was a Saturday night, so I didn't sleep very well that night. I tossed and turned, worrying. That Sunday, I told my wife I was still worried, and she said something to me. She said, I'm not afraid. God has plans for you and is going to do great things. If she wasn't an introvert, I'd ask her to come up and help me give the message today. (laughs) What God's plans are, I don't know. But I have hope in Jesus Christ. If it wasn't, if it, if it wasn't cancer, great. Life doesn't change. I'll keep on serving God the way I am, giving everything to Him. But if it is, then, then I would pray and I would praise God for every moment that I had. I would use those moments to praise Him. If His plan was for me to die through cancer, I have hope. I have hope in Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, 3 through 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Some versions say great hope. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Rest assured, I did go to the doctor, and it was not cancer. Dr. Google was wrong. But no matter the outcome, I am expectant of Judgment Day. To stand before Jesus and have him welcome me home. I am expectant of glorification. To finally be made perfect. I am expectant of eternity. To live in the warmth of God's glory forever. I have hope in the fact that I know I have a good God. Who has already prepared a place for me in his home. I know what I've done in the past. I know the sins that I've committed. I know the person who I used to be. But that's not me anymore. I've been made into a new creation in Jesus Christ. And my soul can be free knowing that I have a good Father in heaven who loves me and has forgiven me with no record of my wrongs. I have a good Father in heaven who my soul can trust his plans for me that I could never imagine. And I have a good Father in heaven who gives my soul hope for an eternal life with him. A God is perfect and who is perfect goodness will you stand with me while we pray
Lord Jesus, I thank you that you set us free. I thank you, God, that you gave your life so we don't have to carry that burden of sin anymore. I thank you, God, that from the beginning of time you have plans and they haven't stopped. Your plans are still going and your plans are good. Thank you that through you, Jesus, we have hope of eternity. God, you are so, so good. Lord, I know that there's people here who who still feel that guilt. They still feel that shame, Lord. I know there's people here who don't know you. Jesus, even though you died for them, they haven't accepted that forgiveness. God, I pray right now, and, and if you're here today and you feel that way, that you have not chosen to follow Jesus and accept his forgiveness, will you please pray? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I am guilty. But I know, Jesus, that you died for me. I know that you are God. I know that you are perfect. And I know that you were the perfect sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice for me. And I know that that moment that you died, that you gave your life, You took my sin for me. You took my guilt for me. So now I can live free. I can live free knowing that I have eternal life because you rose from the dead. And I give my life to you. Make me new. Bring me a new life. Wipe that slate clean so I can start fresh today. Jesus, I know that there's also people here who they've been following you, but Lord, they've still held on to that guilt and that shame that they've had in the past. So Jesus, today I pray over them. I pray that you will let them know in this moment right now that you have forgiven them. You have given your life for them and they don't have to carry that guilt anymore. That they are free from that, Jesus, because you made them free. This was your plan. And you want to give them that hope. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us. Thank you that you do that for us. Thank you, God, that you are so, so good.